Hey friends, are you getting tired of quarantine? Because I am completely. So you have to do crazy Superman intros. I did not ever think I would use the word social distancing. Maybe it came up in college when I was dating some people or they were dating me, but do you know that there's already people that are experiencing social distancing fatigue? Uh, these times are challenging and some would even say they're not good. But if you're using that phrase, do we know what that even really means? If something is good or not good? Well, the answer to that question is actually similar to what I would say when someone asks me why we sing the kids' blessing song the way we do. We start that song with, May God give you eyes to see all that is good in you and all that is good in us and in the world. Now, when we started singing that a couple years ago, I did receive a few comments from people like, well, I thought only God was good, or like, well, none of us are perfect, we all sh fall short of the glory of God. Um, even I had one person say, are we really just telling the Jesus version of a Disney story? Like, look deep inside your heart, believe in yourself, and then your good will triumph over evil. Well, when we talk about something being good, or not good, or when we sing good in this song, or seeing good in our kids, it's not this self-discovery, follow your heart, I can be the master of my own destiny kind of good. It's not when everything around me is wonderful, then I'm good. The kind of good we're talking about is the kind of good that God puts into us, just like he did on day three of creation's new beginning. So throughout the days of creation, there's this word that's repeated, and the word is good. It's tov in Hebrew. If you want to say it with me, it's an easy one, tov. And tov is used seven times in the days of creation. God sees something and calls it good. And if you look up tov in a Bible dictionary, you'll see that the definition says that it's good or beautiful or pleasing. Now that's true. But when you read about what Tov is on day three of creation, you find a much fuller definition. So what happened on day three? Well, as Barbara read in the scripture, thank you, Barbara. Um, it's when God created or when God separated the land and the sea. And then a lot of people would say, oh, it's also when he created plants and trees and all kinds of vegetation. And if we were in person, I would smile at you and nod and say, well, you're almost right. God did separate the waters, this unformed things, into land and sea. But then it says in Genesis 1, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit-bearing trees with seed in them, seeds that will one day fall to the ground and create future life. So I had, some land, I had some seeds and vegetation growing in my house uh, this last month. Uh, you'll see a picture of three different plants that my wife um, got our fun pots out in early March. And 
got some dirt and she put the dirt in the pots and nothing would have grown unless she put seeds in that dirt, which she did. So the really big one in the middle is called nastershem. It's this crazy plant that kind of goes everywhere. And then on the left is cilantro, which I'm really excited about for guacamole. And then the little guy that's just barely there but is coming up is basil. So each seed according to its kind growing up because that's what it was designed to do. Now, Jesus tells stories about the kingdom of God being like seeds, seeds that produce trees that all the plant or all the animals can nest in, or seeds that abundantly produce a harvest of 30, 60, or 100 fold, this abundance that springs forth life, that springs forth, forth life. In fact, when God calls something tov, that's what he's saying. When the potential for life actually springs forth to bring more life. So God says something is good when seeds sprout up, even when they're small and fragile, because the seeds of future life are already embedded in them. And when it does, that's another new beginning. And it's good, and it can come from anywhere. See, most people don't believe something is good until it's mature and finished. Think about a project that you're working on in your job. It's not good until it's done. Or an apple tree isn't really good unless it's producing apples. Some cultures even would say that kids aren't good unless they're productive for their families or productive in the workforce. But according to God, it's good the moment it springs forth, no matter how small or how fragile it is. Have you ever heard the phrase that you can count the number of acorns on an oak tree, but you can't count the number of oak trees in an acorn? So take a look at this huge picture of this oak tree, and that's created by one tiny acorn, which was actually the seed of another oak tree, because God puts the seeds of future life in everything that's living. But plants aren't the only thing where there's seeds embedded by God. And I'm not just talking about reproductive seeds. You and I have seeds of life that are in us that God put there. And something or someone needs to call them forth so they can burst into life. So we're going to spend a few minutes looking at how Jesus does this in others and how he could do this in you and me. So to do that, we're going to go to the Gospels, and Jesus had 12 apostles or disciples or students, that's what the word means, and he trained them as his team. And among those, or within those 12, there was three, they're Peter, James, and John, that Jesus spent an extra amount of time with. And even within those three, there's one who gets the most attention, Peter. John tells us that the first time that Jesus meets Peter, His name is Simon. His brother Andrew, or Simon Peter's brother Andrew, was one of the people that heard, first heard Jesus talked about and then followed him. And the first thing that Andrew does is he goes to get his brother Simon and tell him, hey, we found the Messiah, the Christ, the one that the the prophets talked about. And so he brings him to Jesus. And in John 1, 42, it says that Jesus looked at him and said, you're Simon, son of John, which may be Andrew told him, but then he said, 
you will be called Cephas, or when translated means Peter. See, it was this Simon who Jesus called Peter, along with his brother Andrew and their fishing partners James and John, who were the very first followers of Jesus to be invited to be apostles. They had to leave their vocations and their identities and their incomes to say yes to Jesus. The name Simon means to hear or hearing. And maybe Jesus sees something in Simon Peter where Jesus, he hears Jesus and then he follows Jesus. Because later, after Jesus feeds over 5,000 people and the crowd come back the next day to get another free meal, Jesus challenges them about being the true bread of life. And he says, if you can't eat me and drink my blood, then you can't be my follower. And not only the crowds left, but even many of his disciples deserted. In this point, I think it's easy to see Jesus discouraged. And he turns to the 12 and he says, are you going to leave too? And it's Simon Peter who's the first to respond to Jesus. In John 6, 68, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. It's Simon Peter who first declares this. And yet one moment, Simon Peter's this model student who's getting it right and listening well. And the next moment, he's arguing with Jesus about what the Messiah should or shouldn't do, like wash people's feet or lay down his life. Because just like seeds coming out of the dirt in my house, the seeds of life that are in us need to come out too, and that's messy and difficult for them to spring forth out of that darkness and into the light. And sometimes those seeds sprout only through struggle. So there's this tree species in our state, in the northern part of our state, in the Boundary Waters canoe area of Minnesota. It actually extends into the Great Lakes region around Wisconsin and Michigan, and then all the way actually up to Alaska through Canada, and it's called the jack pine. Its cousin, the lodgepole pine, is also in the area, and it has this certain type of cone. We're going to put a video up of it. It's got this serotonous cone is the definition because it's got a resin all around it. And so what happens is that cone is sealed up and the only way it becomes unsealed is through heat as in hot, fast moving fires. So we didn't have a hot, fast moving fire, but I did find a video of this. And so if you check out this video, you'll see that someone decided to put one of these serotonous cones in a toaster oven. Do not put this in the microwave. Um, but put in a toaster oven and then heat it up. And you'll see as the temperature goes up, these, these cones start to expand. And as they do, then the seeds are able to be released. And so when a forest fire comes through an area like northern Minnesota, these trees are the first ones to grow up and replace the dead and barren land. It's a struggle, but it's beautiful. The seeds of life are all there. See, when Jesus had his last supper with his disciples, he actually turned to Peter 
In Luke 22, he says, Simon, Simon, Satan is asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Remember, this is at the Last Supper, and, Jesus, and, and Simon Peter turns to Jesus and says, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to death. And Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. We so often focus on the, the rooster crowing and denial part that we miss that Jesus starts this part of the conversation with Simon, Simon, who he's always called Peter. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as we, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith wouldn't fail. And then when Simon Peter says, oh no, you don't have to worry about me. I'll stay with you forever. He says, Peter, Peter, you are going to deny me. See, Simon, the one who hears and is wavering and is wondering versus Peter, who's the rock, who's steady. Jesus is inviting Peter into the struggle like a cone that needs to come open. I believe that Jesus sees something in Peter, something that makes him pray specifically for him, something that's really good but is covered up right now that has to come out, not only to strengthen Peter's faith, but to give Peter the strength to give others strength. See, this idiom, like, to sift someone as wheat is like what we would use in English to say, I'm going to pick you apart or pick something apart. And Satan's demanded permission to separate the seed from the chaff, the useless part. I think there's a seed in each one of us, and Satan wants to separate us all out, but to only have us see the chaff. Is it possible that like this time of quarantine is a time where there's some sifting going on? That as we're staying at home and as we're not able to do the things that we usually do, Satan wants to try and separate us out to only see the useless parts. But I believe that God is with us, that Jesus is praying for us, that our faith wouldn't fail in this time, that even if it does waver, even if it does, that we can turn back, that that good seed that God put in us can come out, not just for ourselves, but so that we can strengthen others. See, on that cold night, when Jesus came to Peter and the others to stay awake and pray, after they ate that supper, after this denial's predicted, they go to this garden and they pray, but they fall asleep and Jesus prays. And then they arrest Jesus and Simon Peter cuts off one of the ears of the high priest servants and then Jesus rebukes him, heals the servant and gets taken away where then Peter denies Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. Peter runs away. I think he says he cried bitterly and then he's never mentioned at the crucifixion. Peter has denied and deserted. And so Peter the rock doesn't seem very steady and solid right now. I think Peter's whole being is disoriented. So even three days later when Jesus comes to them and says that he's alive, they have to be wondering, well, is he alive? 
I don't think it was just this easy thing. Yes, he showed them that he could eat. They touched his wounds and him, but then he went through walls and just appeared and disappeared. So they could have been very disoriented and very confused. The first two times that he appeared before all the disciples, he says, peace be with you. And yet, I don't think they were feeling much peace. And maybe, like, we're in this season in the calendar called Eastertide. It's the time after Easter in, for believers, but it's also a time for all of us of quarantine, of stay at home, of figuring out how to respond to this COVID-19 crisis. And it feels like not peace, like disorientation. And what do you do when you're completely disoriented? Lots of people hide. Some try to escape. Others self-medicate. Maybe you've done all of those things. I think I'm tempted to do all those things, but I'm also tempted to go back to something I know, something familiar. Can I just go back to the way it was? And I think Jesus' disciples might have been hiding or escaping or self-medicating, but there's one night where Peter has had enough, and he goes back to what he knows. He goes fishing, and he invites his friends to come with. In John 21, we see Jesus saying that, or Simon Peter saying that, I'm going out to fish. And so six of his friends said, we'll go with you. And they went out in the boat, because the best time to catch fish is at night. But that night, they caught nothing, because... We don't often find what we're looking for when we're disoriented in the dark. Whether it's comfort or fishing or distraction. But see, even in the darkness right before dawn, even if we try to go back to something familiar and it ends up fruitless, there's always a voice crying out, just like that night. And this voice happened to say, Dear children, have you caught any fish? The first two times when Jesus appeared, he said, peace be with you. So, of course, they're not thinking it's Jesus because it's just some strange guy calling them kids saying, have you caught any fish? Well, no, we haven't. Well, then throw your nets on the other side of the boat and you'll find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul in the number of fish. It was crazy. Do we need to figure out how Jesus knew that there were fish on the other side? Or can we just accept that Jesus can see things that are below the water that are below the situations, that are even below our souls. And he lovingly comes to us and reveals those things. So in the story, it's kind of funny if you read through it, Peter impulsively does a hundred yard swim into shore and leaves his crew to figure out how to get the rest of the fish in. But the writer gives us these little hints of what this moment might be. John 21, 9 and 14, it says, When they landed, there's this fire of burning coals, and there's fish on it and some bread. It's breakfast on the shore, or is it? Because now this was the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he's raised from dead. It's the third time. And if you notice where they're located, they're not in the water anymore, and they're not quite on land. They're right on the shore. They're right on the beach. They're on this in-between place, this 
gateway or threshold, if you will. See, this is a third time, and they're in this in-between place. This is a day three moment, friends. It's not just about seeds anymore. It's about, can we come out of where we've been? Come bursting into new life. See, the in-between moments, these small in-between moments are the day three moments, and they're really easy to miss. We don't just have to pay attention in the Bible for them. We need to pay attention in our own lives for them. Simon, Peter, and Jesus and the others sit on the shore, on the threshold between land and water. The first two times Jesus has come to them, he said, peace be with you. But this time he says, hey, friends, have you caught any fish? I kind of picture it like a Dr. Phil moment. Hey, friends, is that working for you? Do you want to go back to familiar or do you want to step in to the resurrected life? This new life with me, the seeds of life that I already put in you that just need to come all the way out. See, I don't think Jesus is just inviting them to breakfast. I think he's inviting them into a new beginning. So imagine sitting on the shore with the person that you love but you've betrayed. You denied and deserted. How, and you smell the flames and the smoke of this fire, and you remember the fire of the night of betrayal. Kind of wonder how close Simon Peter sat to Jesus on that morning. I have a feeling that he was one of the furthest people away from Jesus. As they finish breakfast, Jesus asked Peter this question. Simon, son of John. He goes all the way back to the beginning for Peter. You are Simon, son of John, but you will be called Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me? He's calling out his former identity. Even after all of the denial and the desertion, He's not just calling him to follow him, he's calling him to cross over. To to move from this place of being Simon, the impulsive, external processor, where's my emotions on the sleeve type of fisherman, to become Peter, the bold and steady and selfless shepherd that will lead and love people to Jesus. That's what he's inviting him into in that moment. And three times Jesus says, do you love me? Just like three times, Peter denied knowing Jesus. Do you love me? Three times is what allows Simon to release his old identity and all of the failures that come with it and become Peter, the rock on whom Jesus would build his church. See, those seeds that God put in Peter are still sprouting life and they continue to this day through Jesus' church and through this church, through restoration and through you and through me. See, it's good, it's tov when we call out and identify those seeds that God put in us and planted in us. It's good when you, as God's child, allow those seeds to burst forth into life because they will bring new life to others. It's one of the most beautiful things that can happen, and it's easy to miss. We've been having 
uh, a leadership team at our church since we became an official church in like 2013. So six or seven years of leadership team meetings. And it was this summer that our leadership team chair said, I know how you can bless me for my birthday. You can say something that you see from God in me, something that is affirming. And this became the birthday blessing. And this is something that we just did on our staff retreat yesterday. You might call it an affirmation circle. Someone has called it a hot seat before. But the point is to go around a room, and the room can literally be anywhere these days in this virtual space, and say, I see this in you, and it's good. It's from God. I won't share everybody else's story. I'll share my story. So a couple of things that people said about me is, Rob, you're authentic, and you're vulnerable, and you're accessible, and you're positive, really positive. You're a friend who builds people up and brings them joy. You're intentional and you're a teacher. You have this balance of being scholarly and pastoral. You're a coach. You see people's potential and you give them a platform. Friends, these are just some of the things that are my seeds. And you might think that that sounds selfish or narcissistic, but consider what God's word says in Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece, every one of us. And he has created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. See, you and I are the beautiful handiwork of God. This word handiwork in the Greek is poema. It's where we get the word poem. It's this one-of-a-kind lyric. It's this one-of-a-kind song or work of art that each one of us is handcrafted by God, regardless of if we say yes to him. But the best thing we can do is to say yes to Jesus and allow his Holy Spirit to work through us and come out of us in these good ways. Because when we do, they will bring life to others. That's immediately what Peter did when he finally realized who God was in his life that who Jesus was, that, that his mistakes and his successes couldn't lift him up or bring him closer to God, that nothing he was going to do was ever going to make God love him more and nothing he was going to do was ever going to make God love him less, that he was just needed to live into who God already said he was. And so he came out as Peter. And when the Holy Spirit came down on Pentecost, he took that moment to stand up and to explain to thousands of people who God was and is and still is. This God, this Christ, whom you crucified, and God raised from the dead, he is the Messiah. And 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus that day. Friends, that is good. You are God's masterpiece. He made you. Jesus saves you, and the Holy Spirit lives in you. Will you say yes to him and his work today? God, I thank you that you are the creator and sustainer of life. And the Holy Spirit, I just ask that we would consider 
those of us who are still in stay-at-home and quarantine, that we would consider that this time is like the dark dirt where the seeds that you put in us are planted and where you want them to come out. And the warmth of your light and your truth and your love can spring them forth. But God, would you give us time, even, even right now, where we can stop and listen to your spirit. That if we've never said yes to you and yet we're, we stumbled upon this live stream, we're, we're searching for something more than what we can do and more than how we can live, that we would consider surrendering our lives to the one who can give us life, who was raised from the dead, who ascends to heaven, who intercedes on our behalf, who calls those seeds forth in us, that we would live in him and for him and through him. Holy Spirit, will you speak to us about what you've planted in us that is a unique, one-of-a-kind song that just needs to spring forth in the world to bring more life to more places and more people. We love you. Amen.